really difficult to speak after Pastor Stephen, Pastor Rob. How's everyone doing this morning? Awesome. Before I get started with my message, uh, as Pastor Stephen said, we do have a banquet next week. And yes, we do need help to move chairs after service. My message was originally going to be wrapped around that because, hey, I'm a sound guy, and any chance I get to talk about serving, guess what? I'm going to do it. And the reason for that is because I understand firsthand how God blesses you when you do things behind the scenes. You know, he, even in his word, he says, those things that you prayed in secret, he hears them. The title of my message today is Blessings in the Preparation. How many of you know God, that God makes things relevant in his word to what we're familiar with and what we're going through? My message was going to be about specifically one verse, Psalm 23, verse 5. But Psalm 23 is just way too good to skip the other five verses. It's a short psalm, six verses. But there's so much power in those verses that I just wanted to share them today. The reason for that is because when I first got saved, April 30th, 2006, that was my rebirth day. And I'll remember that forever because that was one of the days that I made the most important decisions in my life. That was the day that I saw a transformation in my life in what God can do. That was the day that I said, everything that I thought I was in control of, I surrender to you. And here I am today. If it wasn't because of that decision, only God knows where I would have been right now. I was going down a path of doing things that were wrong. I was going down a path of hanging out with the wrong people. I was going down a path of making wrong decisions and uh, drugs, alcohol, you name it. That was my life. The day that I got saved, everything started to change because I started to bounce my decisions off of the Word of God. You see, sometimes we make decisions based on emotion. And depending on what I'm going through or who got me mad will determine how I'm going to respond. The Word of God doesn't talk to you with emotion. The Word of God just talks to you with facts and hard proof of if you do what I say, things will go well. So, because of that, going to share from Psalm 23, and even before I go into that, I want to give you a little history on David. Psalm 23 was written by David. Okay, David is known as a great um, worshiper. You know, he was known as the, the, just, he wrote most of Psalms. But in, in 1 Samuel 16, I'm going to summarize some of uh, chapter 16. The Lord tells Samuel, I want you to go to uh, see Jesse in, in Bethlehem, Jesse of Bethlehem, because I am going to anoint the next king. He's one of his sons. So 
when Samuel gets there, Jesse passes seven of his sons before Samuel, and the Lord does not choose any of them. To the point that he, he asks, is there another? Jesse, I, I don't want to say he overlooked the other one, but he was the youngest, he was the smallest, the other ones were, were soldiers, they were always on the front line. Um, you know what, let's read it in context, from, starting with verse 11. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending to the sheep. Let's pause right there. Immediately you could see that's the heart of the father. Because while everybody was with Jesse, David was tending to the sheep. Samuel sent sent for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Samuel knew in his spirit, this is the one. He was so excited and eager to see the son that was coming that he said, I will not sit. We will not sit. We're going to stay standing. I don't care how long it takes for him to get here. We're going to stay standing until he shows up. Verse 12. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Next verse. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the long came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. The excitement that Samuel was displaying because he knew this was the one. And the, the little nuggets that we see in the fact that when, he went to be, when, when they went to look for the chosen one, he was out tending to the sheep. He was out doing the work that he was supposed to do. Now later in chapter 16, there's an evil, evil spirit from the Lord tormenting Saul. So... And I'm summarizing again. This, one of the servants suggests that he finds someone that can play the liar. And every time the evil spirit comes, he would play. And Saul will feel better. So Saul says, hey, I have a great idea. Why don't we find somebody that can play the liar? You guys are supposed to laugh there. Come on. <laughs> Why don't you find someone that can play the liar and bring him to me? So... I'm going to read from verse 18. It says, One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior, and he speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Next verse. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the sheep. Where was David again? He was back tending with the sheep. You see, the Lord anointed him. The Lord, the Lord sent Samuel, anointed David, but didn't tell him, okay, the time is now. So David went back to what he was doing because that's where God left him. God found him, and he put him back where he was. So until David was, was told, now is your time, he was back tending to the sheep. Amen?
So as a shepherd boy, you know, and he would tend to the sheep, what does that mean? He, he'd care for them, he'd protect them, he'd clean them, which uh, from what I hear from a few people in a few videos I've seen is not a pretty job when you have to tend to the sheep and, and, and clean them. God, God, is not, God is not too proud to clean our messes. Amen? I'm going to show a short video that while I was studying for today, I saw this video pop up again. And I, I, I found it fitting because I feel like this is what it must look like when God is watching over me. Whenever you're ready. And there I go again. <laughs> Too many times I feel like that's me. <laughs> you know, it's just. But God doesn't get tired of bailing us out, of fixing us, of righting our wrongs, of us trying. Maybe not doing things the way we should and repenting and him saying, it's okay. I got you, son. I got you, daughter. Amen? Amen. So now that I gave you a little bit of uh, David and me, I'm going to go into Psalm 23. The reason I'm going through Psalm 23 is when I first got saved, I was told, read the book of John. Read Psalms. Okay. That was a great plan. However, as you start walking with the Lord, you realize that a lot of these scriptures start to mean more. And Psalm 23 was one of those with so many key nuggets in it that I would always overlook because it was one that I would read, verba uh, read or, or recite verbatim and the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Okay, well, what does that mean? So, I found it fitting that as opposed to just going to verse 5, I would read 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. See, God is my provider. He is my protector. He has everything I need. I'm going to say that one again. He has everything I need. And the reason I say it again is because sometimes what we want is not what we need. And sometimes I get mad at God. Ooh, that's tough, right? He's a pastor. He gets mad at God. Yeah, sometimes I would get mad at God because he didn't give me what I wanted. But because he knew what I needed, he protected me from what I thought was right. I think that needs a clap. <laughs> no, John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. We're going to pause right there for a second. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He brings me peace. Right? You can't rest until you have peace. If you have turmoil, 
in your life, there's no way you're going to rest. The peace that comes from God, the peace that surpasses all understanding, only comes from an intimacy with God. Okay? That comes from the one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord. That comes with getting on your knees, getting, getting on your face, getting before him. That's the intimacy that he, he calls us to. Not because he needs it, but because he wants us to understand how much we need it. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul is the beginning of verse 3. He brings nourishment to my soul. See, when we're in communion with him and we feed upon the word, our hungry hearts are satisfied. He fills us. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. For his name's sake, he guides me on paths of righteousness. So, he gives me peace, he gives me rest, he refreshes me, he fills me, and gets me ready to do his work. Ooh, did verse 3 just really go there and say you're called to do his work? Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> Little chuckle. Okay. <laughs> you know, Pastor Rob doesn't have to tell you when to laugh. <laughs> uh, maybe I should be funnier, right? <laughs> so for his name's sake, he guides me on a path of righteousness. He gives us peace. He gives us rest. He refreshes us and fills us and gets us ready to do his work. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And some of these scriptures, I kind of wrote down last minute, so I didn't give them to the media team, which is, I'm, I'm part of the media team. <laughs> so <laughs> I also use paper, and Pastor uses an iPad. It's funny. <laughs> Verse 4, even though I walk through the, val the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. One verse before, God leads, leads us beside quiet waters and refreshes our soul, right? And in this verse, he leads us through the dark times. Do you understand the difference? He leads us besides the quiet waters and fills us. And now, while we're walking through dark times, he leads us through it. Because he won't leave us alone in those dark times. No matter how much we feel like sometimes we're alone, he will lead us through it. The problem I've run into is that when I, go, when I face those dark times and I feel like I'm alone, I forget to go to God. I know I'm not the only one. He reminds us, David, in, the, in this verse, reminds us that God is still bringing us encouragement, correction, 
and leading us through. Now, I, I, quick side note again. I believe that when David wrote this, I, I don't know how old he was when he wrote it. I kind of tried to research it, and I've got a, I got a couple of different answers. I talked with Pastor, and I believe, we believe that he was a young adult when he wrote this. He was tending to sheep since he was a kid. It doesn't matter what age he was. I believe that when he wrote this, God gave him a revelation and showed him based on what he knows. Because God makes things relevant to what we know, as I said earlier, God gave him a revelation of what it's like to be in ministry, what it's like to be a shepherd, what it's like to look over people, and gave him a direct parallel based on what he was doing with the sheep, taking care of them, making sure they were correct them when they need it. You know, a shepherd doesn't tell the sheep, go and follow them. He leads them. Verse 5. You, re- you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who are your enemies? Is that the, the uncle that you don't want to invite to family functions? Who are the enemies that he's talking about? See, when we look at it from natural eyes, yeah, I have a few family members I wouldn't talk to. I'm just going to keep it real. I, I disagree with uh, the way they think and the way they do things, and I don't put myself in that position. But that's not what he's talking about. You see, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities. Right? Matter of fact, Omar, on the spot, man. If you can put up Ephesians 6.12, I just want to read that real quick. You know, we joke about this kind of stuff when Pastor Rob's preaching and he throws things at us randomly. And we promise we won't do that. And here I am. (laughs) Just throwing stuff randomly. (laughs) Thank you. Amen. Find it? All right. Yeah, let me pull it up on my phone so there's not so long a dramatic pause. Here it is. Thank you, Jesus. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So again, who are the, our enemies that we're talking about in verse 5? Psalm 23, verse 5. It's not that uncle. It's not that person I disagree with. It's not the person sitting two rows behind me that puts the music too loud. Oh, wait, that would be me and the sound guy in the back. (laughs) We fight against powers and principalities. So 
the fear, the doubt, the insecurity, the I'm not good enoughs, that you'll never amount to anything. They'll never listen to you when you go up front with a microphone. Yeah, I battle those things. Pastor Stephen was introducing me, and I was back there saying, Jesus, it's all you because I can't do this. Those are the enemies that we fight against. And it's important that we know that because God says that he prepares a table for me. And you know what? I'm going to give you a visual because it's fun, and I can. <laughs> so stay with me. Humor me. I want to show you something. Well, look at that. He was prepared. <laughs> so David says, God prepares a table. He doesn't send someone to do it. He prepares a table for me. Right? And I would apologize to you right now for having my back towards you, but sometimes while God is preparing a table for us, we feel like we're alone and he walked away. But the truth of the matter is that while we feel like that, he is preparing what's coming. Yes. Amen. Oh, he brought some goodies. <laughs> so, I'm great at multitasking at the sound desk, but not up here. So, the Lord prepares the table for us. He doesn't send anybody. He does it. And he comes and pulls out the folding table, puts, puts the nice little cloth on it, if he knew what he was doing. <laughs> and all this time while he's in preparation and preparing for what's next for us, we feel like we're alone. At least I do. I feel like, Lord, I seek you, and you walk away. But what I don't see is that he's preparing the blessing. See, the title of my sermon is the Blessings in the Preparation. And a lot of times we, real, we don't realize that there's time needed for preparation. In, uh, in Daniel, it says that uh, the, the, the angel tells Daniel, I heard you the first day you prayed. It took me 21 days to get to you. Why did it take him 21 days? Because he took a detour? Was MapQuest giving him the wrong directions? No. No, he was preparing. And it took time to get the preparations right. Now, if anybody's ever seen how Lydia makes a table, this will not do it justice. But I'm a guy and I got some kind of freedoms here. For this. Now, I've always only heard of this as a banquet table. 
And I looked it up in the scriptures. And the word says a table. It doesn't say a banquet table. It actually uses banquet in the Good News translation and a feast in, uh, I can't remember which, I think the New Living translation calls it a feast. But every other translation, including in the Hebrew text, it's a table. Why is that significant? The table that God prepares for us is the place for intimacy. Okay? This is where we put all our stuff. When the pastors get together here and we uh, have meetings to see what, what direction we're going to go with the church, when the pastors get together and, and counsel, we sit at a table and seek God's mind. Okay? The word says we have the mind of Christ. We have to seek the mind of Christ and make sure that we're in alignment with the mind of Christ. Because anytime I get out of that and I try to do things in my own strength and I put my emotion and my thought in it, I deviate from the word of God. Not because I want to. It's because it doesn't line up with my emotion. And oftentimes, I got so much stuff in here. It's so beautiful. Oh, he's so noisy. So, God prepares a beautiful table for us. And the table puts all of these fun goodies on it. He makes it look beautiful for us. Right? And I'm going to just put some of these. Hey, get over here. Oh, you're gone forever. <laughs> and while God prepares a table for us, you know, we, this is where we break bread as well. Next week we have a banquet. We get to break bread together next week. But more important than that, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to invite our unsafe family members, our unsafe friends. Why? Because they might not come to church if you invite them. But if you invite them to a banquet or you invite them to a function, they'll get the word. It's okay, it's grape juice. Now, while the Lord prepares a table for us, and we're going to be preparing tables later today, tables, chairs are moving, tables are coming in. While we're preparing for a banquet, the blessing and the preparation is knowing that next week, that unsafe family member that we've been praying for can come and hear the word. And if a seed is planted, it will grow. Amen? Amen. Now, too often times we see this table that the, that the Lord prepared for us and we don't put everything at the table. I got a doctor's report years ago that I didn't give to the Lord right away. 
I didn't tell my wife for a year. I took her to my annual checkup and said, surprise. She didn't talk to me for two weeks after that because she could have been praying. When you put this on the table, yeah, amen. When you put your things on the table and you seek God for his intimacy and for his wisdom, he will give you the answers you need. You're struggling with something in your, in, in your finances. You're struggling with uh, something medical. You're struggling with your family, your kids, your spouse. It happens. You have to be able to sit before the Lord and put it on the table for him. The only way you'll seek God at your table is if you invite him. And too often, he sets the table for us. It's his table, but it's for us. And it's set. But we don't invite him. Okay? We have to take the time to invite God to sit at our table. I think that was good. I think that needs a clap. invite God to sit at the table, he will open us up to God blessings, to the mind of Christ, godly strategies and responses. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've responded out of Carlos Rodriguez. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've responded out, out of 18-year-old Carlos Rodriguez. Right. He was very different than me. Right. A little thinner, a lot more energy. <laughs> The banquet next week, and, I, and church, am I talking about the banquet a lot because we need help to move chairs and tables? Yes. I will never sugarcoat anything. <laughs> yes, we need help. But we don't need help because we want to give you work. We need the help because we know the blessing that will come from it. We've seen it. And if we take the time to put from ourselves to prepare the way for God to set his table. He will show up when we invite him to that table and those family members that need to hear the word of God will hear the word of God. You know, the, the best sermons that I've ever heard are the ones where people are preaching to me without using a scripture. They're preaching to me with their love, with their kindness, the way they speak, the way they, the way they respond to you, the way they smile. If they hold a door for you, you know, now we have automatic doors every time you go to Walmart or, or Publix. But there is that one person that will say, please, after you. Those are the people that minister to you. I don't think it's right that the people of God, the people in the church, do it less than the people that don't know God. Well, that was a hard hit. Amen. 
let's move on. So the table is a place of intimacy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's the rest of verse 5. Can you put verse 5 back up? See, God's blessings are for now and then some. And God's blessings have a trickle effect. See, when Pastor Jan prays for me, I know I'm blessed. But as a trickle effect, I know that my family's blessed. See, when, when God answers prayers over me, and it changes me, I know my family sees the, the, the response, the, the, the repercussions of that. And it has this trickle effect. God's blessings come pressed down, shaken together, running out all over, right? Verse 6 says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David's saying, confidently know. Get this in your head. Confidently know that God's goodness and love will be with you. And if you dwell in him, he will dwell in you. And if you seek him, you will find him, and he will be with you. I remember the first day (laughs) Pastor reminded me uh, Tuesday in our pastoral care meeting I remember the first day I got saved it was uh, it was a Sunday (laughs) that was a joke come on (laughs) it was a Sunday it was during service (laughs) Sunday April 30th 2006 my life was a mess. I was doing things I shouldn't be doing, acting ways I shouldn't be acting. My relationship with my wife, and I've shared some of this before, was to the point where we had to part ways. We were just, was just better if we weren't together. And then God. We came to church. Pastor's preaching about Jesus being in the boat. (laughs) That boat felt like a raft with a hole in it. But Jesus was in the boat. And when he prays, we raise our hand for the altar call. When he prayed for us, puts his hand on my wife's head, looks at her, not knowing her, and says, God's going to heal your marriage. She immediately starts crying. I was busy crying on my own for other reasons, so um, I didn't realize what he said just then at that moment. Sometimes we hear things like this, and we don't realize you have to want it. Okay? Liz and I wanted to change. We needed the change. And God put, he, he put before us the tools to make it happen. 
we needed to accept that and submit to it. And submission is not easy for guys, especially if you're a Hispanic guy from New York that, you know, I, I work 18 hours a day, I pay my bills, nobody helps me, nobody does anything to help me with any of my stuff, you are not gonna tell me how to run my life. It's just, that's the Latin way. <laughs> that, was, that was my whole life. Having to submit to someone else to tell me that I was doing things wrong and unlearn everything I was doing was no easy feat. But when you want the change, God will bring the change. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to close. It's a short service, yes. Um, Pastor Rob does sermon series. Uh, I'm one, once a month, once a year. <laughs> but don't... I, I don't want you to go today and not hear what I'm saying. These are key nuggets. And if you get in the word and if you get in the scriptures and you seek God, he will show you things. Amen. Amen. Yes. Now, the most important part of this service, see, it's great to seek God and great to Come before him. But the most important part of the service and the way for that to happen is you have to accept him into your life. So let's stand. You know, this was the part. I, sorry, I, I get emotional a little every time I think about it. This was the part that didn't make sense to me when I got saved. How could just accepting Jesus make a difference? It does. It does. It, it opens you up to realizing that you need his help. It opens you up to realizing that you can't do it in your own strength. So today, I want to give you that opportunity. So with every eye closed, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, raise your hand. If you've accepted him and walked away, or not sure if you've accepted him, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Church, we had two people raise their hand. <clears throat> now, what we're going to do is I'm going to say a prayer, and I just want you to repeat after me. Those of you that raised your hand especially, repeat this. Dear Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I thank you, Lord, 
Today I accept you to come into my life, to lead me, to guide me, and to protect me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, church, I want to thank you for listening to me today. Pastor Rob will be here next week for the banquet. For Well, he'll be here because he's preaching. <laughs> Bonus, there's a banquet. If you can stay behind today and help, please see me immediately after service, see Pastor Stephen, uh, and we'll get things coordinated so we can go. In the meantime, uh, God bless you. Have an awesome week. Thank you for being here today. We love you, and we'll see you again real soon. Amen. Yeah.